Welcome to the High School Athlete Nutrition Podcast, where we chat about fueling your performance on and off the field, court, track, or pool. I'm your host, Stephanie Melitano, a registered sports dietitian who specializes in helping athletes optimize their performance with a strong fueling plan. Whether you're a seasoned athlete or just starting out, this podcast will provide you with specific strategies and practical tips to help you reach your performance goals. So join me as we explore the world of nutrition and learn how to take your game to the next level. This is an episode I have been really excited to record with Lexi because REDS is a topic that I think is so important for every single athlete to understand. And so Lexi and I are gonna break down relative energy deficiency in sport, also known as REDS. Lexi Moriarty is a certified sports dietitian and eating disorder specialist, so she really helps her athletes work through disordered eating and recovery journey. She's the owner of Fueled and Balanced Nutrition, and we are so excited to have her on the podcast today. We're gonna look at the signs and symptoms of REDS, things that you can do to pull yourself out of REDS, and some tips and tricks to help you really boost that nutrition. So stay tuned and let's chat with Lexi. Lexi, welcome to the podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to be here, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. You know, I didn't think of anyone else for this topic but you because you're such a pro with REDS and you know, you help so many of your clients do really fun things. So I think it'll be a really, really great chat. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are as an RD, a person, and what you do to help your clients. Yeah, definitely. So um, like you said, my name is Lexi Moriarty. I'm a certified sports dietitian, but I also specialize in both REDS and eating disorders as well. I've been a dietitian for about 10 years, a sports dietitian for about seven now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I run my nutrition practice out of New Jersey. So we're based out of North Jersey. North New Jersey. Um, and basically in my practice, what I help my clients do is I really want to help them stop stressing about food, stop overthinking about food, um, and really be able to fuel their active lifestyle confidently without having to think twice about it um, and hopefully feel their best, not just physically, but mentally too, when they're just living their day-to-day life, but also when they're training or in competition. Um, So with all of this, I really help a lot of my clients with like disordered eating, um, obviously eating disorders with REDS concerns like digestive and hormone issues. But I also work with a lot of active people who are just, you know, they're done dieting, they're done calorie and macro counting, and they just want to learn how to fuel their day today and their fitness with not having to think about it. Um, so that's just what a lot of what I do on a daily basis. Um, and then a little bit more about me personally, I have two kids, two young, crazy little ones, and also a very rambunctious chocolate lab. Um, and I just love staying active in my day to day life. I've been an avid runner since I was 15, played a bunch of sports growing up. Um, hopefully you can't hear my dog in the background right now. No worries. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just love being a dietitian. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think what you said about like being a dietitian and the word that sticks out to me is confidence. Cause I talk to my clients about that all the time. It's like, I just want you to be confident in doing whatever you set as your goal. So fueling performance, health, mental health, you know, all of that across the board is so important. And, and for every athlete, it's so different. Um, but one thing I know that we both talked to all of our clients across the board a lot about are the symptoms of reds, how to prevent reds, but then also how to come, come away from reds and kind of take a step forward and, and really, improve their performance and their health. And I think to get started, we first have to say and define like what is REDS, right? Because it's such a big, such a 
big word or sentence, but such a little acronym like REDS, like, oh, it just sounds so simple, but relative energy deficiency in sport sounds much more intimidating. And when I posted a question box on Instagram, you know, requesting questions for this, someone said, what is REDS? Like, what is it? You know? And so for me, the, the basic premise for REDS and in how I teach my athletes, it's chronic underfueling and that long-term effect that we see when it comes to your performance, but also your health. And so when it comes to kind of some of your clients, what are one of the, you know, how do you break down REDS for them to make it really simple to understand? Because it's such a big thing and there's so many signs and symptoms. No, definitely. So typically how I like to explain it is that REDS is obviously a result of low energy availability, right? And low energy availability is when we're basically not taking enough calories to cover the needs of the body after exercise has already been accounted for, right? So I also like to explain it more simply as a little bit of a mismatch between what you're taking in and what your body needs. And those needs include obviously exercise, but it also includes just like day-to-day function, day-to-day living. Um, so brushing, you know, enough energy to brush your teeth, enough energy to, to have healthy digestion or healthy hormones. Yes. Um, and it's just not enough energy to cover all of that your bo- that you're trying to do with your body. Yeah. And, and that's the big thing too. You know, when we're thinking about athletes, they're not just athletes, but they're humans first. And so we have to fuel the menstrual cycle and the bones and growth and developments and just them growing as teenagers or as athletes and as humans, but then also their performance too. So there's just a lot of energy and fuel that's needed. And the, the reds really expanded on the female athlete triad as well. And so often my athletes or their parents will say, Oh, I know I've heard of the triad before, but I haven't heard of reds. And, you know, reds came about because the triad really only covered three things, female athletes under fueling, really not eating enough, maybe losing weight, bone changes, bone density changes, and loss of menstrual cycle, three little things, right? It's not, not a lot. And reds really opens that up and looks at the overall performance, but also includes all athletes. It's not just those female athletes, which I think is so so important. So let's talk about some of the signs of reds, because there are a lot, it's not just those three, like the female, the bone health, menstrual cycle and weight loss. So what are some of the most common signs that you see with your athletes? Yeah. So I work with a lot of active women in my practice. So I would obviously one of the biggest ones I see is those hormone issues, right? Like irregular periods, um, missing periods altogether. I think though, because of birth control or because of hormones that individuals might be on as a form of birth control, that one isn't always as apparent, right? So sometimes us as dietitians can identify that maybe something like that's going on, but the individual might be totally unaware because they're on some type of oral contraceptive. Um, so another one that I see a lot of is those digestive issues. I don't know about you, Steph, but I see like I yeah, do see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge one. And then two of the other ones that I wrote down that I see in clients a lot that I feel like the knowledge, like I feel like gas and bloating people are starting to become a little bit more aware about it. Yeah, um, I agree. And I don't know about you, but a lot of my clients would say, oh, I have, I've had IBS for a long time. And then you're like, well, let's try fueling your gut and getting you some energy. And lo and behold, it tends to resolve because they're eating more and just healing their gut and giving their gut the energy it needs to thrive and work. Exactly. And sometimes too, unfortunately, when they've been diagnosed with that IBS aspect, sometimes what happens is they're prescribed a diet, a restrictive diet, like maybe to cut out gluten or to cut out dairy or to be careful of eating certain foods, or they just become a little bit more fearful of eating certain foods because they're so uncomfortable. And then it can be so challenging because it's actually making the energy availability aspect worse. And so it can be like, 
kind of create the cycle of things too around the digestive issues that it yes. can be really hard for clients to navigate especially then when they start to recover that gas and bloating gets worse for a little bit which is very common yeah I had a couple of clients today we were kind of talking about that recovery process and what that looks like and healing their gut you know sometimes to get through that it does mean working through some of that bloating and constipation that is kind of just a part of getting that gut back refueled and strengthened so that you can digest foods properly it's just part of the healing process yeah exactly yeah, it can be challenging fun. you know i work with a lot of the, the younger athletes so stress fractures are a big one i see a lot of stress fractures recurring ankle sprains you know so we've we've had acl tears along the way but the stress fractures are some of the worst for, for my clients and they're repetitive, which is when I'm like, okay, this is a big flag. You know, we've got to work on this. Definitely. Like, especially and because I work with a lot of females that are in their twenties and their thirties yeah. where they're kind of like, Oh, actually, when you point that out, I have had like <laughs> this injury when I was 18, this injury when I was yeah. 24. So it's not as much in like an acute instance, but so they're not really tying it into anything. It's just kind of like, Oh, this happened. But yeah. then when we look at it in conjunction with other symptoms they're experiencing, it's like, no, actually, maybe we should start talking about getting a DEXA for you so we can stay ahead of this and you can be aware of what where your bone health is at. And if REDS is contributing to some of the injuries that you've experienced in the past. Yes. And, you know, talking about the DEXA, there are so many fantastic tools now out there to really help us look at REDS as a, as a big picture and that, that ultimate diagnosis. You know, we, a lot of athletes say, oh, I haven't lost weight. So I can't be under fueling, but your body can maintain weight, but then start pulling energy from your bones and your muscle and your GI tract. And you're slowly wasting, but not realizing it's not a 20 pound weight loss. It's your energy is changing. You're not focused. You have constipation, you, you know, all these other signs. It's not just that weight loss. And so when it comes to labs too, I have athletes that will say, oh, my labs are normal. Uh, my, my doctor said, it's fine. My labs are normal. So I am not under fueling or I don't have an eating disorder. My labs are normal. What do you say to clients who say that? I'm so glad you brought both of those things because <laughs> I feel like it's so misleading. One also that I'll kind of um, put in that bucket too is those hunger and fullness signals. Yes. Right? Like yes. they often are kind of based on what an athlete's used to doing and they become not reflective of the individual's needs. Um, so when any of these things come up, I'll kind of educate them on, you know, just a general population, someone who's as active as you are, like this is kind of what textbook says that the body needs. All right. So if we're not necessarily needing that on a daily basis, these are some of the things that can mask, or I don't say mask, but can kind of lead us down the wrong direction of not feel like feeling like we're fueling appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, we feel satisfied of, um, after a meal that's not necessarily sufficient for us. We cannot necessarily see acute weight changes. Um, and so it can be really hard to it can be really hard to understand that we're not feeling enough when all of these things are kind of, you know, playing almost a mind trick on us yeah. and thinking of we are eating enough. Yeah. So I really try to just educate clients on the other types of symptoms they're experiencing, the bigger picture of what could be going on here. And the fact that a lot of these symptoms that are uncomfortable, annoying for a day to day can be attributed to reds and just eating more proactively throughout our days. 
it's looking at the whole human as a whole. It's not just the blood work, not just the the weight. It's looking at their mental health, their physical health, their GI tract, hormones, all of the above. Uh, that really gives us that big red picture. That's why it's so hard to, to diagnose reds too, because at the same time, there's so many different things where it might just be a GI issue that's leading for them to lose weight, like uh, celiac disease or a food allergy or food intolerance. So it's really as us as dietitians playing the detective game to figure out exactly what is going on. And, and something I talk to a lot of my athletes about too, is it doesn't take a significant amount of energy to cause like that deficit to cause reds 300 to 500 calories a day, which for an athlete is a snack, right? So missing one or two snacks a day, or maybe half a meal can really impact and increase their risk for reds and under fueling. And it could be a result of anything. I've had them tell me, oh, it's just a busy schedule, or I forgot to pack breakfast, or I slept through breakfast, skipped lunch, all of that stuff. So what are some of the reasons you've seen with your athletes where, you know, reds has become an issue, but they don't really notice it? You know, is it skipping meals? Is it intentional where they might be disordered eating based? What is, what is most common for you? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I always like to emphasize to all of my clients, no matter what might be the um, underpinning of why REDS is happening, is that this has sometimes has absolutely nothing to do with disordered eating or an eating disorder. You can yeah. have a completely healthy relationship with food and still be someone who's under fueling and experiencing REDS. Um, but I do find, obviously, I see clients who, you know, an eating disorder or disordered eating is one of the underlying aspects of experiencing REDS. I often see clients who, you know, they are looking for those body composition changes or looking for those weight changes. And it's yes. not necessarily coming from an eating disorder or disordered eating place. It's more just coming from, all right, I've, I feel like I'm going to perform better at a lower weight. Um, I just want my weight to be a little bit lower or I want more muscle mass and less body fat. And then ultimately, because those types of changes often require us to go into an energy deficit. And sometimes to maintain those changes, we're required to stay in an energy deficit. It's almost sometimes inevitable that we're going to eventually experiencing experience reds when we're doing that for a prolonged period of time. So I think like those body composition or those body preferences, or even just body dissatisfaction can be something that I see a lot of that results in reds related symptoms. I think also our athletes, they're so busy on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. Our humans in general are busy yes. on a day-to-day -day basis, <laughs> let alone put like one or two hours of practice on the day, right? So even just like time availability, food availability, um, how your day is set up around like your schedule in terms of around meal times, mm -hmm. around snack times and how practical that is for you. Those types of constraints are a big thing that I see in a lot of my clients as well that gets in the way of them being able to fuel their body properly. Yeah, just general access to food. And one of the biggest, <laughs> I always laugh during team talks because I ask about like, how's the school lunch? What are you guys doing for lunch? And so often I get the Ugh, school lunch look, you know, but that is really your last opportunity to fuel before the after school practice as a high school athlete. So we've got to optimize. We have to optimize lunch. It needs to be powerful. So whether you're packing from home or asking for a double portion, because so often even just a basic portion that you would get at, you know, even a fast food restaurant, if you're going fast food, or if you're going at school lunch, it's just not big enough for athletes. We've got to maximize and that little calorie deficit adding up day over day does increase your risk for rest. So it's definitely something to consider. And, you know, when we're thinking about how do we, how do we turn this around, right? How do we, we recognize the symptoms, we figured out why, 
working with a dietitian, maybe, right? Hopefully. And mm -hmm. now how do we focus on nutrition to kind of turn that back around? What's your approach? So I think first things first, I want to make sure that my athletes are eating enough carbs, right? Yeah. And that's just, I always say athletes, I think just from my experience in the collegiate level, right? But of course, I mean, all active people. And I think sometimes yes. active people that don't even consider themselves as athletes are oftentimes, unfortunately, at higher risk of REDS related issues because- yeah they don't necessarily have that like high performance fueling mindset or those resources. Um, so I think just making sure that they're eating enough carbs consistently throughout the day, constantly replenishing those glycogen stores to um, meet the needs of whatever type of activity that they're doing. Also to obviously calories and making sure that they're eating enough calories throughout the day. You know, that's the simplest one. <laughs> um, but another one that I'm sure you see too is a lot of my clients, I hate saying this, I almost feel like it's against my religion as a dietitian. You probably know what I'm about to say, but a lot of my clients, they're eating too healthy. I know that sounds yes. terrible, yes. but they're eating those like nutrient dense food option options, those fibrous food options that yes. are preventing them from meeting their needs before they're fearing, feeling full. And this is where some of that unintentional reds can happen. It's like, you don't even know that you're not meeting your needs. You're just feeling satisfied or full. And so you're stopping eating, but it's just because those foods are so nutrient dense and so um, fiber rich and you're not actually meeting your calorie goals. Yes. Yes. One that. of my favorite things to say to athletes, I'm like, this is your permission from a dietitian to not eat a full plate of vegetables. You know, like you don't yes. have to <laughs> fill up your plate. You know, I, especially like I use like Chipotle as an example. I'm like, instead of getting the salad bowl, just make it a rice bowl, like make, make carbs that foundation. And that's really those simple, easy tricks that you could still have all your veggies, but just not in the same portions because they do fill you up and they do take up space for those energy sources from protein, carbs, and fats that we really need to prioritize here. So I love, I love that, that you were like, no, nope, not so much fiber. Let's slow down here. Yeah. And especially too, sometimes it's okay to not choose the whole grain. Like sometimes yes. that's actually almost going to work in your favor. Obviously, you no, know, we know from like a sports nutrition standpoint, in terms of like a pre-workout option, sometimes it can be beneficial mm -hmm. for replenishing those glycogen stores, but also, you know, it's not like you, every carb option that you choose doesn't necessarily have to be a whole grain because it can, might help you meet those energy needs a little bit easier if we're not always focusing on it having to be that way. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And then we also get to the question or really the topic of energy density, right? How do we get all of this fuel in athletes? I hear a lot from, from the athletes I work with at all age levels, all competitive. I'm sure you hear it too. Like I'm just stuffed. I can't eat anymore. And that's when we said, okay, let's take a look. Are you eating too much fiber? Can we manipulate there? But the other piece is, can we look at some energy dense foods and some easy transition? You know, when we're talking about energy density, it's just really maximizing the calories and proteins and energy per bite. So, you know, switching from an almond milk to a traditional milk or a low fat yogurt to a whole milk yogurt, it's the same volume that you're eating, but so much more fuel in that. And so what are some of the foods that you recommend that are high energy density for your athletes? Yeah, definitely. So a big one that I actually had my intern working on earlier today was um, for recovering or right after a workout when, you know, your next meal is going to be a couple hours is more of like those nutrition based recovery shakes, not always protein based. Yes. Recovery shakes. 
Yeah. Because sometimes those recovery shakes, they can be great, but they might only be like 100, 200 calories, which isn't always sufficient for that recovery. But this is also a window of opportunity where we can squeeze a little bit more calories. And so if we can get something that's more nutrition shake that has like 300 calories to it, that can be very helpful. Um, And also too, obviously smoothies when they're practical for people are Mm -hmm. always a great way to but a nut butter, add a little bit of avocado, add a little bit of whole fat yogurt um, into a combination that is appealing. Obviously, probably not all those three things at once. <laughs> that might not necessarily be as appealing, but smoothies can be an easy way to incorporate a little bit more calories in that same volume. Exactly. You said one of like the athletes favorite, like peanut butter, almond butter, sunflower butter, yeah. like those should be like slather that on everything because it's a great, <laughs> it's essential fat and it's so easy to eat. And I, I think most athletes would, would get behind a nut butter. Um, if you give them full on permission to just go for it. Um, so that's, that's really incredible thinking about like just the energy density. And plus, like you mentioned all the foods you listed, like the avocado, the peanut butter, they're fats, which are essential for hormone balance and restoring the menstrual cycle and testosterone and estrogen and all these really positive things that all athletes really need. So, you know, having those essential fats not only help you sneak in more energy, help with your endurance game, but also support your hormones, which helps your bone health in the long run. So that's really true. Yeah. And it brings up one other thing I was going to mention before in terms of that, what can sometimes lead to that reds risk is not necessarily having the most appropriate nutrition information, right? Like, or the most helpful nutrition information as an athlete. And I find like female athletes in particular, because our needs for fats, our needs for carbohydrates are a little bit different. Having those high fat options that sometimes we might be taught to stay away from because it's not necessarily this protein option that's so beneficial for recovery or lean body mass building. Um, But so having those fat options, having those carbohydrate options and having them within your diet consistently are so hugely helpful. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do with clients is like chop down those food rules. Like you can have fats, you can have carbs, eat them all, please. You know, and the, the expression of really, like I can do that. Like you can, there are no rules, <laughs> you know, the rule is eat what you can and try to optimize everything is the goal here, right? We want to make sure you're strong and healthy and energized and not kind of draining your battery day after day. That's so important. One of my favorite things too, is, you know, after you get through, you know, you're working on reds and then you pop on a session with an athlete and they'll be like, I got my period back or my energy feels so good. And you just, I just love celebrating with them because it's something we've worked so hard on. And this is like the final kind of like you're doing the work and it's obviously improving your game and your health and just so many amazing things are happening. So true. It's so true. There's so many wins that some things that you don't even notice that you're experiencing or you don't even notice aren't as optimal as it could be. Like you mentioned, like your energy levels or how you're feeling during practice, that when you start to fuel more appropriately for your lifestyle, it's crazy the amount of differences that clients can feel. So yeah, yeah. And especially because they're already like elite level athletes, or they're already competitive, you know, runners and that sort of thing. And then you see them really improving their PRs or their strength, they're earning more playing time. You're like, see, like, imagine where you could have been if you've been feeling for years before. So it's just so fun to, to celebrate those those wins with them. So before we wrap up, we do have some Q&A from Instagram, just a few questions, a few fun ones. So we'll kind of run through those. But the first question is, and we, we kind of touched on this already, is what impact does underfueling have on your bones? I obviously we talked about how, you know, underfueling can really decrease those estrogen levels, decrease those progesterone levels. And I was reading a study recently that, 
individuals who were amenorrheic or who were missing a period for three months or more um, were almost, I think this was in elite runners, were almost nine times more likely to experience a stress fracture. And yeah. that's huge. So really right. not having enough of these hormones on a monthly basis um, can negatively impact our bone density and cause our bones to be a little bit more weaker, a little bit more frailer. Um, so that un that feeling is really necessary to um, protect those bones, not just in the short term, but in the long term too. Anything I missed, Steph? What did I miss? Yeah, no, I, you hit it spot on. I mean, that is really it. We're protecting you now, and the long term is the piece too, because the athletes now and in, in you know in their teens and 20s and even kind of early 30s we don't think so much about our 80s right or our 90s but the the bone density that you build now and what you're doing with all your training and how you eat impacts your bones later on because you only build so much bone in your life and then that's kind of where you are and you have to try to maintain that as long as possible so you kind of hit it spot on like we're looking at the short term now but also that long-term effect on on bones can be really really important so that was a good question so I'm glad we were able to get to that one the next question is what do you think about calorie counting and I will I will answer this one first and I would love to hear your perspective on this too because I feel like we're very aligned on this I tell all of my clients like let's ditch the apps let's cut the macros let's kill the cow like we don't need to stress and add one more thing to our to-do list when it comes to calorie counting and tracking because you have to measure and then log it and if you don't log it the app is yelling at you and giving you alerts if you're over or under and it's just more tension and stress throughout the day. You know, I have some athletes who genuinely want to know the calories we're aiming for or the macros. And I think that's great and amazing to know. But when we, and when it becomes a stressor, I tend to not recommend it. And when that's honestly for most of my clients and athletes I work with, I say, let's just ditch the calorie and focus on that performance plate and just making sure you've got the carbs and you've got that protein on your plate. But what are your thoughts on calorie counting? No, I am 100% with you. It just overcomplicates our nutrition. It overcomplicates what we're supposed to be on a daily basis. Often what I say to clients is I'm like, your body does not see what you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis like my fitness style does. It's much different. <laughs> it's much more bigger picture. <laughs> yeah. It's not gram per gram or calorie per calorie. And oftentimes, unfortunately, when we rely on macro tracking, when we rely on calorie counting, A, can either ultimately lead to a less healthy relationship with food because it just, like you said, it causes more stress in the day. It makes, it creates a little bit more overthinking around what we're choosing, but also it's just not sustainable. You know, the amount of clients that reach out because they're just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore, but now I don't necessarily know how to eat. It's yeah. not enjoyable. It eventually becomes something that you're not going to want to do. And it's almost like a crutch that doesn't necessarily help you learn how to fuel your body without it. And what you and I want to do is we want our athletes and our and active people in general to be able to fuel their body without stress, without overthinking it, and just make it easy on a day-to-day -day basis because it can be we can have a high performance diet and it just be easy and stress-free that you lose sight of your hunger cues if you always have an app telling you like you're under you're over like your body is always talking to you let's tap into those hunger cues and figure out when you are hungry do we need to fortify lunch or add a snack here or maybe add some fueling during practice if let's really tap into that hunger cue and not rely on an app that tells you you're over on sodium when you actually need sodium because you're sweating a lot so there's this fine balance between information and information overload i think 
It's so true. And to go back to those differences with female athletes too, like, as we know, like throughout the menstrual cycle, like hunger and fullness cues kind of change for a physiological reason. And when we're constantly stuck on staying under those certain macros or those certain calories, our intake is not fluctuating for our physiological needs. And I think that's where a lot of females can kind of feel like they're, you know, have a sugar addiction or feel like they're like ravenously craving something because it um, calorie or macro tracking makes us feel like we have to eat in this very specific box all the mm-hmm. time. And that's not necessarily necessarily appropriate to females in specifically. Just the training load. Think about the training plans, right? Throughout, you don't train the same way all year. Well, how can you expect your body to eat the same number of calories or same number of macros all year long? It just doesn't make sense. So I think we're on the same page when it comes to calories <laughs> and, and kind of just being a little bit more intuitive, but learning to be you know, intuitive eating too alone for athletes, I find difficult for them because you have to intuitive eat. I call it intuitive eating with a strategy, right? You can listen to your gut, but at the same time, when you train so intensely, your hunger cues kind of fade a little bit. So you've got to kind of have that strategy to say, okay, I haven't eaten yet. I should eat, but I'm not hungry. How can we find something that kind of meets in the middle and really make sure you're consistent with fueling? It's so true. It can't just be intuitive eating when you're as active as a lot of our clients are. Great question about calories. If athletes with eating disorders start eating normally, will his performance recover? So I'm assuming this this question is coming from a parent of an athlete who has an eating disorder. So let me pitch this to you, Lexi. You have a client and mom is coming to you and saying, in three to six months, a year, will my athlete be able to compete and perform with an eating disorder or after they're working through their recovery? Yes. So what I like to say is yes. Definitely. Right. Like once that fueling is back in place, once we're fueling more appropriately, all of these impacts from reds and um, physiological and also performance, majority of them can go back to baseline, especially for our active younger clients. Right. We can still gain that bone mineral density back um, when we're at that younger age. That's such a great period of time to be building bone. And so for our teenage athletes, that bone aspect does not necessarily necessarily have to be impacted by um, a eating disorder or by underfueling that's experienced in their teenage years. Um, so yes, I always like to say that, yes, if the fueling gets back to where it needs to be, if someone, it needs to be weight restored, if that weight gets back to where it needs to be, we can regain that performance and we can regain or not have to be dealing with its annoying symptoms sometimes too. That's exactly right. The eating disorder road, I always say, could be as bumpy or as smooth as you know we make it. And so if you have an eating disorder, if you're struggling with disordered eating, my recommendation right now would be to find a team, find a dietitian who's experienced with eating disorders, find a therapist, find a primary care provider or a pediatrician who can help support you in your recovery and make that road as smooth as possible. So you can get back to your healthiest self, your strongest self, and then back to your game. Um, if that's something that you hope to do, because you don't have to do it alone. You are not in it alone. It's not just you and your parent or you and your significant other. Really, you could have a, a full support team around you. Exactly. And I think you brought up a really good point of that road to recovery is different for everybody, right? So it can be very easy to kind of like set a specific timeline on it. But until you're kind of going through the motions, like we don't necessarily know what that timeline to full recovery is going to look like. So really just kind of putting one foot in front of the other day to day, having that support from family, friends, team members um, who are an interdisciplinary team is so, so important. And just kind of taking it day by day, week by week, and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other for to reach that recovery place. 
Yeah. Small, consistent goals. That's what it's all about. Whether you're recovering from reds, just working on your feeling plan, or you had disordered eating, those small, consistent goals are really, really where it's at. And so this last question is about reds and it said, can symptoms of reds relate to lung and heart? So shortness of breath, chest tightening. And, and yeah, I mean, if you look at reds as a whole, right. And, and even kind of going down the lane of disordered eating, if it does become more extreme, your, your organs require a lot of energy. And so they are impacted in the long run to say that it's always impacted. We can't put that blanket statement on there, but there have been, you know, you can have an increased heart rate or a slower heart rate or changes in your blood pressure, or you may notice that your performance or your endurance aren't as great. So there's a big wide scope when it comes to the impact of reds on your body from top to bottom. And everyone is so different. And that's what we always say. If you feel like you even have one or two of these symptoms or red flags, I like to call them of reds work, find a sports dietitian, find, go to your pediatrician, go to your doctor and, and tell them like, Hey, I'm feeling X, Y, Z. Can we get some tests or can I get a support or can we create that support team with a therapist and a dietitian and your doctor to help you really recover? Lexi, anything to add to that one? <laughs> No, it's so true. I think you hit the nail on the head. And one thing I always like to remind clients of is, and we've kind of covered this a little bit is, you know, if you're having that mystery health issue, you're going to doctors, no one's able to kind of put their finger on it. And you also kind of notice that, all right, like based on what my body likely needs for the amount of exercise I'm doing, I'm probably, or maybe questionably, I'm not eating enough. Then reds is definitely something to consider. We won't know mm -hmm. it's a process of exclusion. We don't necessarily know until it's ruled out, but if you're going to doctors and it's not necessarily, nothing's really solving it, then reds is always something that should be on the, um, on the table when all of the initial things are kind of ruled out. Yeah, I agree. There's just so many symptoms that go into it. You've got to, you've got to really look at everything. Well, Lexi, it's been amazing having you on the podcast. I feel like we could talk about this for forever. So we're going to have to have you come back and do a whole other section or another podcast episode, because there's going to be a lot of questions that come after this. I absolutely know it. But before we go, can you share where listeners can find you? So you can find me at fueledandbounce.dietitian on Instagram. Um, I also host a podcast with a fellow sports dietitian called Mind Your Fitness. And you can find that on um, Apple and Spotify. And really on there, we talk all about how just your body does not have to be a specific size for you to get to your performance goals. And so obviously we talk a little bit about reds on there as well. Um, but those are probably the best places to find me in addition to just my practice, again, it's fueled and balanced nutrition in Northern New Jersey, but also virtually. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I do have one final question for you. I think this is just so fun. I love to ask a mystery question after guests are on the podcast, but here it is. It's nothing too intimidating, but if there was one food that you had to take with you to an abandoned island to have for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, I'm torn because as a dietitian, my answer is a little bit different than it is as a human. I would say I definitely can't live without ice cream, but also knowing that <laughs> peanut butter might serve me a little bit better on an island. <laughs> I love the strategy. Maybe you can just bring peanut butter ice cream and just have the best of both worlds. That's a great op. That's a great <laughs> answer. And I actually know a really good dairy that has peanut butter ripple ice cream. So I'll just bring that. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so now we know Lexi's going to bring peanut butter ice cream with a little bit of strategy, a little bit of fun fuel. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much again for joining me on the high school athlete nutrition podcast. It's been a blast. And until next time, happy fueling.
Our goal as sports dietitians is to help you take your game to the next level and support your long-term health with nutrition. Thank you for hanging with us through this episode on high school athlete nutrition. We really hope you have a better understanding of what REDS is and how important it is to really focus on your nutrition, not only for your performance, but also that long-term health. We want to protect your bones, your hormones, and so much more. Remember to follow Lexi on Instagram and to check out her podcast. Both will be linked in the show notes below. Until next time, happy fueling athletes.